pretty? There's a ton of content out there, and if you don't know where to start, it can be overwhelming, even paralyzing. So let's fix that. Welcome to Simply Cyber, a community of tens of thousands of aspiring and active cybersecurity professionals focused on networking, knowledge sharing, and professional development. I'm Dr. Gerald Dozier, Chief Content Creator at Simply Cyber, inviting you to get the answers to your cybersecurity problems with hundreds of cybersecurity videos answering your frequently asked questions, interviewing industry experts, and live streaming daily cyber threat briefings hosted by me. Now get the stories and insights you won't find anywhere else. Hit subscribe now and dig into all the fresh content on the channel and in the community. Nothing should stop you from launching and leveling up your cybersecurity career today. All right, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to Monday. Today is Monday, December 18th, 2023. Welcome to episode number 517 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I am your host, Dr. Gerald Ozier, and over the next 45 minutes, me, you, Simple Man Guitar, Toasty Pops, Not Only IT, Jesse Johnson, Marcus Kyler, and Adam, the Yeet Crew, they're all going to be hollering. We're going to be shredding the top cybersecurity news stories of the day, and I'll be giving my expert opinion and analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner. So, like, what can you do with this information? How can you drive cyber risk reduction for your business stakeholders? Or if you're looking to break into the industry, we got you covered. You are going to be asked in any single job interview, and when it happens, you're going to, like, crack up on the inside. How do you stay current on the industry? Guys, it is paramount. If, if you're in the industry, you know this already, but if you're not... Like, let me be the one to introduce you to the concept. Once you get the job, you still got to grind. Like, it's cybersecurity is constantly changing. There's always new stuff. Threat actors are going to threat act. So we have to stay current in order to be able to be the sharpest tool in the toolbox for our uh, businesses to save, uh, to be safe. So uh, you're going to um, get asked the question, first of all. Second of all, being here is going to help you because we're going to cover the topics and you're going to learn terminology, concepts, and the networking, like Christopher K. Hall, Ready to Hunt, GL, Marcus Kyler, AD, Tom Bishop. The networking's phenomenal. Everybody, right? Good morning, Nelson Yee. I say it too, to uh, like Tom Bishop. So it's awesome. All right, so settle in, get ready. We got a great show for you. Before we get into the show, though, let me give a shout out and love to the uh, stream sponsor, starting with my good friend, uh, Brandon Poole and his team over at Panopsi Security. Get a partner who understands your cybersecurity program and your business goals. Listen, if you're operating left of boom, meaning like you, you're identifying assets, whether it's data, software, hardware, and you're protecting those assets with the controls that we talk about all the time, multi-factor authentication, backups, SecOps, logging, business continuity, backups, right? Like whatever it is, if you're in that phase and you're like holding the fort before right of boom happens, before bad happens on your network, and you want peace of mind. You want to know that you're investing your money in the right way, that you're getting the biggest bang for your buck. That's what Panopsi Security does. It's not a, a turnkey SaaS solution. It's literally expertise and knowledge share where they come in, hook you up, high fives all around, get you set up for success on a six-month, one-year, three-year roadmap, whatever it is, and start making those changes instantly. 
Adrian Space Tacos in the chat with 10 squad memberships. Uh, Space Tacos. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah. Hey, Rhonda Rummerfield. Rhonda Rummerfield. Let's go, Rhonda. Passing that sec plus. Congratulations. Love it. Love it. Love it. Congratulations. That's so dope. Good Good on you. Hey, guys. Want to also tell you about anti-siphon training? Dude, if you guys don't know about anti-siphon training, they put on free conferences. They do free training. They are disrupting. And when I use that term, I know it's played out like, welcome back, Cotter. Oh, there's a uh, old hip hop reference. It's played out, uh, but they are actually disrupting the industry, right? Traditional training in cyber. It's expensive. It's you got to be in person. Sometimes they're providing high quality, affordable, if not free training to anyone from industry experts. Go onto the uh, link in the description below. Go to pay what you can train. And um, oh, my God. Just believe me, go onto the training, pay what you can training. You could take these uh, high-end trainings for $0. Active defense and cyber deception and SOC core skills alone are going to be offered at the end of January, uh, early February 2024. Giddy up on that. Uh, you'll be happy that you did. Also, by the way, just fun fact, introduction to pen testing with John Strand. This slide deck, he presented this slide deck at DakotaCon, which is a tiny conference. Uh, put on by Dakota State University. If you know, you know. And that that deck that that was John. Um, that's how I met John Strand for the first time. Best best presentation, captivating, gripping stuff. All right. Also, um, barricade cyber, but more about them at the mid roll, guys. Each episode of the daily cyber threat briefing is worth half a CPE. So, say what's up in chat. Hashtag Team SC. We're all one team. Uh, there is team live and team replay, but guess what? We're all one team, team SC in chat, hashtag team FC. The trick is take a screenshot, file it away, uh, and maybe name the file, the date, or put the date in the screenshot even better. And basically when it's time to file your CPEs, your continuing professional education credits, just count the number of files you have, multiply it by 0.5 and you are locked and loaded, ready to go. It is Monday, which every day of the week has a special segment. Uh, Mondays are Simply Cyber community member uh, Marcus Kyler, TMSC. Simply Cyber community member uh, feature, and I'm really excited to uh, feature this week's uh, Simply Cyber community member as always. All right, guys, final final shout out. Not only IT, 20 months, damn. Thank you, not only IT, and thank you, Team SC. I see so many of you. This is great. Toasty Pops, Gary Sturgiatis. Good to see you, FSAC, and Alicia Jerry. Hey, so check it out. Uh, final thing. If this is your first episode of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing, I know many of you are here on the regular, but we've been doing this 517 shows in a row. If this is your first episode, drop a hashtag first-timer in chat. Hashtag first-timer in chat. I love it. It looks like Larry Rami. Larry Rami, first timer in chat. Good to see you, Larry. Let me drop a, a welcome to the party pal emote for you, buddy. All right. Space Tacos with a super chat. The community is phenomenal, so everyone should hop in because it smells like awesomeness up in here. Thank you so much, Space Tacos, for the super chat. Very generous of you. Very kind. All right. Vinny Barbarino. That's right, Valentino. So true. All right, guys. Love it, love it, love it. Welcome first-timers. Welcome long-timers. But guess what, guys? It's all about good times. 
but we got to get down to the we got to get down to business, guys. I hope you got your cup of coffee. You're ready to go. I found the largest cup in my cabinet and poured it. Deshaun Gates with the first timer. What's up, Deshaun? Hey, Etzel Bennett. Good to see you. Maurice, first timers. Welcome to the party. Welcome to the party, pal. Hopefully you can see those uh, John McClain emotes and can hear the sound effect. Uh, we love welcoming our first timers, all right? It's important because everybody needs to know that it's a safe, supportive, inclusive community here. But let's get busy, get your coffee, get ready, and let's let the cool sounds of the hot news wash over us in an awesome way. I'll see you guys at the mid-roll. All right. Feel free to play anytime now. Oh, my God. What are we doing here? Hold on. Oh my gosh. What, why? I can see it. Hold on. All right. Hold on. From the CISO uh, series, hey! it's cybersecurity headlines. I almost had to take the podcast out back. These are the cybersecurity headlines for Monday, December 18th, 2023. I'm Steve Prentice. Box storage platform suffers outage. On Friday, the cloud storage provider suffered a critical outage that affected all its services, including logins, uploads, downloads, and API calls. Users were greeted instead with a 503 HTTP error. The outage started at approximately 9 a.m. Eastern time on Friday and was fixed by 1.30 p.m. the same day. Box has not yet announced the cause of the outage, and this is a developing story. I'll give you a hint what the cause of the outage was. <laughs> I'll do it in emote. Uh, all right, so check it out. Um, you know, this thing, this site was down for a few minutes. If you don't know what Box is, I do. Um, we used it at one of the businesses I was at one time. Box is basically a competitor to Dropbox and um, uh, Office 365's OneDrive. Google Store, like basically it's just a cloud-based file sharing service. Now they have massive, massive clients, but I would think in the grand pantheon of business that it may be, um, it may be, uh, you know, sunsetting for box here, but basically guys, critical outage. If you are a SaaS provider, right? Here's the TLDR. If you're a SaaS provider, your entire business operates online. Right, whether you're using front-end browsers or you're just automated everything with APIs, it doesn't matter. If you are not on the internet, then your business is not in business. It's the equivalent of having a closed sign out front. Um, now, it doesn't say anything about cyber, but it is important to note here. We we don't talk about this too often on the channel, um, but it is important to note. Hold on one second. That. Um, when we think about driving cyber risk reduction, right? Like as a practitioner, yeah, 80% of our life is we're thinking about threat actors and what are their motivations? What are their TTPs? What are their indicators of compromise? But you also have to account for the other 20%, which can include environmental, like some jack wagon installing an air conditioner above the server rack, which, you know, the air conditioner leaks down on it. Um, there's that, there's, you know, temperature, right? You ever been in a data center? If you've ever been in a data center, they're freezing cold. The reason is because the machines get wicked hot. Air conditioner busts, 
right? Maybe you installed it in the right place, but it is broken. So it gets wicked hot in there. Parts start having hardware failure due to, due to temperature, right? So we, ha- we, we have to think about these other things besides threat actors. And again, they said that they're still investigating what happened. If I had to guess, I would put money that matters. I would bet somebody a nice lunch that this was an engineer Probably, I, I won't even say a junior engineer, but an engineer, senior engineers can make mistakes too. An engineer who pushed some type of change, possibly didn't go through change control, and it broke, right? In an HTTP status 503, uh, it's like something's broken on the server side. Not that it's not there. That's a 404. A 503 is like something's broken on the server side. And, and basically, you know, for what it's worth, they did recover quickly. So the TLDR here is even the even the mighty can fall, right? Facebook, a Fortune 5 company one time in the last maybe year or two, updated their BGP records and knocked Facebook offline for like a bit, okay? So even the big, big ones, at the end of the day, there's a human somewhere, AI dark, uh, the, the AI overlords have not taken over yet. Uh, so there's a human somewhere in the workflows and humans make mistakes. If I had to guess, this is an engineer. Um, so what, what can you do? One, you can use this as an example on why change control is important. Most people hate change control. Even me, a diehard, you know, died in the wool GRC person can find change control um, frustrating and like, ugh. but this is why change control happens. Why having rollback plans out of change control changes so you can roll back to uh, a known good state. Those are all valuable. Oh my God. Uh, BSEC said my audio skills are 404. (laughs) Not found. All right. So TLDR, this doesn't seem like a cyber uh, issue. I mean, a um, threat actor issue, but it is important to note that we need to give consideration to these things beyond, um, beyond just threat actors and their things, right? Uh, Darian Jefferson says, I got a job this week and accepted into Udacity Scholarship Program, Enterprise Security. All right. We do wrecking balls for jobs. Great job, Darian. Double double win, man. Talk about the holiday season. Love it, love it, love it. Congratulations so much, Darian, on both of those successes, the job and the scholarship program. That's dope. GoDB suffers breach. The database company stated it first noticed unusual activity on Wednesday and that the unauthorized access to, quote, certain corporate systems, end quote, has resulted in customer account metadata and contact information being exposed. Representatives emphasized that the company, quote, is not aware of any exposure to the data that customers store in MongoDB Atlas, end quote. This, too, is a developing story. All right. Now, this one does sound like... um a cybersecurity story. Now, two things. One, MongoDB is a database technology that's a NoSQL database. And hey, just to just to put this in perspective, I grew up <laughs> when I was young. Like, so when I went through um, university, like relational database systems was the only thing that there was. You could do SQL, Oracle, or um, Postgres, but they were all relational database um, models. MongoDB is a NoSQL uh, model. And if you don't know what that means, I, I recommend, I, I did it myself. I bought a book called Seven Databases in Seven Weeks just to learn about these new technologies. NoSQL, the whole, the whole benefit behind it is it's way faster. Um, 
for lookups and for scaling, but it's really designed more for like, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> like think of social media websites in the way that like um, the, the the relationships between like posts and comments and uh, and user accounts and stuff like that. It, it's just better. It's basically uh, based on like JavaScript and JavaScript style. It's still, it's still, um, you still have to query the database. Anyways, uh, that that's what NoSQL is in a nutshell. Second of all, MongoDB. If you guys don't know, around 2015, MongoDB uh, backend databases were were hacked like every single day, like every day. Do you guys? I don't know if anyone was working in cyber besides me at the time, but like literally, BSEC, he's old. Like at at the time. Dude, it was like every week MongoDB backed uh, SaaS applications were getting popped in 15, uh, 2015, 2016. So what do we do with this story? If you are um, a user or a subscriber or a customer of MongoDB, uh, then chances are you're going to get contact about them, about some of their inf uh, your information being compromised. Now, it seemed more like it was metadata, not really super sensitive data. So that's a little less concerning. Um, but um, I, I'm curious how MongoDB got uh, hacked in the first place. Um, the company said it's also experiencing elevated login attempts that are causing issues for customers attempting to log in. Um, yeah. So basically, it sounds like MongoDB customers... Uh, MongoDB as a business got popped. The threat actors got some initial data. And now they're using it to try to see if they can penetrate deeper into MongoDB and potentially fish uh, other, you know, clients using, you know, the information that they stole. This, I mean, this sucks for MongoDB, but this is like garden variety cybercrime, right? That's what we're doing here. States lag in tackling political deepfakes. According to the National Conference of State Legislatures, only three states, Minnesota, Michigan, and Washington, have enacted laws this year in an attempt to tackle the issue of deepfakes, specifically in advance of the 2024 election year. Another seven states introduced bills designed to tackle the issue, but those stalled or failed due to issues such as First Amendment rights, vague disclosure requirements, a lack of understanding of the technology amongst lawmakers and anticipated difficulties in enforcement. Inquiry file. All right. So here we go. Uh, you know, this probably will be the year. I say it every single, you know, New Year's Eve resolutions. Jerry, what are your thoughts for big things in, in the upcoming year, right? They do that every, every um, December, right? Like these like kind of roundups. Uh, I have said since 2014, like, oh, deep fakes, it's going to be the thing, right? Well, maybe this year it really is. Um, CISA, uh, well, first of all, deep fakes, if you don't know, deep fakes is where they basically, originally deep fakes was where they would take your actual face and slap it on a, a, like a, a model, like a human, and it would look like you, but it wasn't you, right? And and like, just to use a, a real easy example, um, we were seeing it quite a bit in the adult film industry where they would take a famous actress. I think, I think Gal Gadot and Daisy Ridley from star Wars were like two that made mainstream news. They would take like the actor's face because there's a ton of sourced, um, corpus of data, you know, cause of all the movies they've been in. And then they would slap it on an adult film star in an adult film. And then it would look like that movie star 
in that type of film, right? And that, that's like a perfect example of how deep fake uh, technology could work and what it would look like. Now, deep fakes, in my opinion, has expanded to also include just straight up AI generated content. And we are seeing AI generated. In fact, it's probably easier because AI generated content is just so much faster. AI generated content being used in political smear campaign ads. Um, and obviously, you can imagine as uh, voters are going to the polls in November, that you know, like some some message drops and it's like you know makes it look really bad for a candidate for whatever reason, like um, you know, like beating a child up or saying something in entirely incendiary about something like um, like uh, abortion or Israel Hamas or you know what I mean, like like one of these things. So that what sucks. So what are we doing? couple things. One, last week or two weeks ago, the social media giants, your metas, your Twitters. Well, I don't know if Twitter actually came out and said it, but but like a lot of the social media platforms said that they were going to um, you flag content. Like YouTube said this flag content that has AI generated content in it. And it has, you have to explicitly uh, label that this content contains AI generated content. I think that there was some rule or regulation or law going through the system around not using that type of content in political campaigns and ads. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Um, you know, at least in the United States, there is a federal system, but the states have a lot of autonomy unto themselves, right? So there's all, we, we are like bumping into each other. It's very difficult to coordinate unless it's like really easy and obvious. It's difficult to coordinate the states and the federal level and move things through a system in any meaningful way. Uh, CISA is doing its job. Way to go, Jen Easterly. Um, CISA is doing its job to work with election um, integrity, which I would include this on. The final thing I, I would say really quickly, though, is like I think deep fakes will be used um, in, in, in more than one way in the 2024 election year. And the other thing I would say is that here's here's my thing, right? Like again, I hate to be so cynical. Let's put a tinfoil hat on it really quickly. Tinfoil hat, and if you're new here, like uh, Larry and uh, Itzel, uh, if you're new here, basically, if I'm about to say something that's completely speculative and unsubstantiated, we put the tinfoil hat emote out. Okay. Here's my thing. Okay, like what's the penalty, right? Is it a financial penalty? Is it jail time? Whatever, right? Okay, like it's probably financial or a stern finger wagging. All right, so November 8th comes or whatever it is, the election day, and I just launch a ridiculous tirade of deep fake commercials. They're not going to get pulled off the air that day, right? Because people are like adjusting and, and like, oh my God. So they're not going to get pulled off the air. Maybe the social media companies are able to pull them off social media. But if you push enough of them from enough accounts, it's going to be difficult to get your arms around that. And then let's just say they, they get their arms around it. It takes them eight hours, but they're able to pull magically every single piece of deep fake content off of the internet. The damage is done already. Look, people have already seen the messages. People have already gone to the polls. People are already voted. People who were on the fence. You're not going to convince somebody who's like diehard uh, Republican or diehard Democrat to change their vote with a deep fake. No, what you're targeting is the people in the middle. Go watch 
the great hack by Cam- uh, the Cambridge Analytica Netflix special. And you'll know what I'm talking about. So to me, it's like, yeah, you can have all this legislation and talk about deep fakes and try to control them. But at the end of the day, the whole value of a deep fake for a political ad or political motivations is to change a voter's perspective that moment, right? It's the same thing where you get like um, a text message on the day of the polls trashing one of the candidates, right? It's timeliness. So as much as I love this, I, I really think it's going to be a problem. And I don't think there's really any way to kind of like legislate it out. Pharmacies share medical data with police without a warrant. According to a congressional investigation spearheaded by Senator Ron Wyden and representatives Pramila Jayapal and Sarah Jacobs, the largest pharmacy chains in the U.S., including CVS Health, Kroger and Rite Aid, quote, have handed over Americans' prescription records to police and government investigators without a warrant, end quote. Although HIPAA regulates the use and exchange of health information in hospitals and doctor's offices, the law gives pharmacies some leeway. The Washington Post reports that, quote, because the chains often share records across all locations, a pharmacy in one state can access a person's medical history from states with more restrictive laws, end quote. All right. So, you know, somebody get Brady McNulty on the phone, Dr. Brady McNulty, uh, Simply Cyber community member and uh, recovering pharmacist, Brady McNulty. Uh, so this shouldn't surprise anything, guys. And if you think HIPAA is going to protect you, you're out of, out of your mind. OK, uh, pharmacies, large pharmacies, CVS, particularly, they said, but I think probably Walgreens and some of these other ones, Rite Aid, um, they know what you're they know what your drugs are, right? Like they literally are the ones writing the, the, they're the ones filling your scripts, right? So if you're taking some type of like, I don't know, like uh, say you have a schizophrenia, right? I'm just randomly picking uh, a disease. You have schizophrenia, definitely a mental health thing. And you're like the medicine for schizophrenia. I'm, I'm not a pharmacist, so I'm making some assumptions here, but the medicine for schizophrenia is only used to treat schizophrenia. So like if you have a prescription to it, then one can infer you are schizophrenic, right? So that information is private, right? Again, like we, and the, people in Europe must be horrified at like the level of not privacy going on in the United States, but pharmacies are going to know they're supposed to protect your data uh, police can basically request it and they're just being given it. I don't know if this was like the pharmacies thinking that they had to comply, the police officers uh, lying and saying that they had to comply, or just a wink, wink, nudge, nudge, high five, everybody wins because we're big tech and, and, and or because we're big pharma and uh, whatever, right? So what uh, this sucks, obviously. Um, I don't know how this came out. Unfortunately, again, this this bu- this bums me out because like, there's going to be no, there's no, um, what's, what's the recourse of this, right? You're going to stop going to CVS? No. CVS going to be penalized financially? No. Are the police who are getting the data without a warrant going to be in trouble? No. Or unlikely, right? So it's like, what, what like, I, I don't know. Something, something like this just leads me to be like, what are, where is the incentive to not to not comply or to comply with this, right? Um, I will say that um, federal registrators are looking into this. So maybe I could see, you know, it's another crappy thing. I could see some 
team of lawyers getting together for a class action lawsuit where all the victims who were impacted by this are going to get, you know, 38 cents and the lawyers are going to get millions of dollars, but justice will be served. I say that completely sarcastically. I could see that coming out of this. Um, so whatever, you know, you know, what also sucks. And this is going to slightly indicate my politics, which I do try to keep politics out of this, but this whole thing came up after, um, after the Supreme Court's decision last year ended the constitutional right to abortion, right? So if, if, if it's illegal in your country, I mean, if it's illegal in your state, if abortion's illegal in your state and the police are able to request pharmacies to give medical data about drugs that are somehow involved in uh, abortion, then that could be used to arrest you <laughs> and... Uh, you know what I mean? So it, it, it could get quite serious quite quickly, uh, unfortunately. And now a word from our sponsor, Barricade Cyber Solutions. Experiencing ransomware? Barricade Cyber Solutions will help you recover from the nightmare. Trust the industry DFIR experts who have rescued over 3,000 business cases over the past five years. Remember to visit recoverfromransomware.com and connect with Barricade Cyber Solutions Rapid Ransomware Recovery Team. This elite team works quickly to recover and restore your business data and services. All you need to remember is recoverfromransomware.com. That's all one word, recoverfromransomware.com. All right, here we go, people. Welcome to the mid-roll. I hope you're enjoying yourself. Shout out to Barricade Cyber Solutions. Mods, let me know if the uh, audio is too loud uh, or my voice is too low. I'm trying to pull the slider down just a little bit. Uh, I do have audio. I, <laughs> I, I'm audio uh, inept. I, I am bad with audio, so I, I'm trying, trying. Uh, so shout out to uh, the stream sponsor, Barricade Cyber. Love Eric Taylor. Guys, if you uh, uh, were here last Wednesday, Eric Taylor guest hosted the show. I appreciate that. I was chaperoning like a dad. Guys, thank you, stream sponsors. Just a reminder, Barricade Cyber has renewed for the entire year of 2024. And anti-siphon training has... Just dropped all your audio. Oh my god! All right, all right. Listen, I'm just gonna I'm I'm gonna get my audio fixed today. Okay. All right. So I'm not gonna I'm just not gonna play um, the song. All right. Actually, you know what I'm gonna do? Check this out. I'll tell you what I'm gonna do. Tell you what I'm gonna do. Let's blow out the copyright. Um, let's blow out the um, the copyright. Okay. We'll do the original song. Because I can control the audio of that one, and I will talk over it, okay? So this will make the audio files. Uh, there's a subset of mods, hashtag audio files. Jesse, base case, who, who's asleep right now, and BSEC. And they, 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 they are not happy when I mess with the sliders. But uh, this one I think is going to work, okay? So check it out. Thank you, stream sponsors, uh, for renewing. Um, and thank you, all of you. Guys, if you're getting value from the stream, hit that simple little like button on YouTube. Why? Because it goes a long way to helping other people find the channel, right? Itzel is a first-timer. Larry is a first-timer. Welcome to the party, pal. 
The reason that they're first timers is because they found the channel. They found the channel possibly because you hit the like button last week. You feel me? So play it for, pay it forward, hook it up. Let's continue to build this amazing community together. All right, guys, I want to tell you about the Simply Cyber Community Challenge. Big fan of this. Adam Birnbaum is currently holding the baton. Adam Birnbaum, if you're in chat, please tag somebody. Everybody else, if you want to build your professional network in a meaningful way with like-minded, inclusive people, listen up. Go on LinkedIn and search for this hashtag. We made it up. We've appropriated it, and it's a lot. It's 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 working. It's working. All right. Go on, search this hashtag, and connect with the people posting, and comment on their post, and connect with the people in the comments. You're actively going to build your network. You know, like say ten people. Uh, at a time doing it that way and passively because everybody that comes in behind you is going to be connecting with you because you commented on the post, right? We work as a network. We're like a swarm. We're killer bees. Killer bees on the swarm. Little woo reference there, but check it out. I'm telling you, if you want to spend five minutes a day and build a network that's super valuable in two weeks, this is one way to do it. Go look at Josh Mason. Josh, if you could drop it in chat. Josh, Josh Mason posted on LinkedIn the other day about how networking has worked for him. And he went into very granular detail on how he did it, uh, like the actual humans he connected with and how it led to a job, multiple jobs. Okay. This is not, I'm not, this isn't a video game. I'm not playing like this is legit. This works. This is how you do it. Allow us to help you. James McQuiggan. Greetings, he must be flying over Missouri at 35,000 feet. James McQuiggan from seat 3A. Happy Monday, coffee cup cheers, smash that like button. Team Live, welcome to the party, pal. Love it, love it. Love it. Thank you for the super chat, James McQuiggan. Love myself some James McQuiggan. If you don't know James McQuiggan, go check him out on LinkedIn. Great, great guy, wonderful human. Oh, hold on, guys. We got the Simply Cyber Community Member of the Week. Every single Monday, I feature one Simply Cyber Community Member. Um, there's so many of you who are amazing, but this week, I wanted to introduce you to Chris Weaver. Now, Chris Weaver is Team Replay. She's Team SC, like all of us, but she is consistently Team Replay. I believe she's in Europe, or she was last time I knew, and Chris shows up every single day on the daily cyber threat briefing and she if you if you are team replay if you consume it and you haven't known in this every every single day chris timestamps the daily threat briefing look at right here where are the comments oh my god see right here she, she does this every single day to make it easy so you can jump to whatever store you want. I always pin this and I, and it's just, it's part of my work routine. About eight o'clock at night, I go on to um, YouTube comments. I, Chris's post is always there. I love it. And then I pin it and it's, it's, I appreciate it. Genuinely, I appreciate it, Chris, for what you do for the community and for the people who consume the daily threat briefing and want to be able to just get what they need for that one story. So uh, shout out to Chris Weaver, Simply Cyber Community member. All right, guys, let's keep on rocking and rolling. Another library shuts down due to cyber attack.
The latest in a string of library shutdown stories, the Public Library of London, Ontario, a Canadian city of 422,000 people, was forced to shut down its branches due to, quote, a major systems outage, end quote. This comes on the heels of ransomware attacks on two of the biggest libraries in the world, the Toronto Public Library and the British Library. Brett Callow, ransomware expert at MSysoft, clarifies that, quote, while libraries might not seem like lucrative targets, they often carry the kind of cyber insurance that will pay out ransomware hackers in the event of a devastating incident, end quote. All righty. So much like the box story at the beginning, uh, I went out on a, a, cl uh, a cloud. I went out on a branch and said that this was a human error, network engineer error. This right here, this right here, all day, every day, this is ransomware. N no doubt in my mind, this is ransomware. All their IT infrastructure is screwed. You can still walk in and take a book out and, and turn the light on at the desk. Yes, because guess what that is? Not IP enabled. It's, <laughs> I, I'm sorry, it sucks. This sucks for this library. Um, their email, their Wi-Fi, uh, probably the system that enables them to check books out um, is all down. It's all interconnected. Again, this gets into like, this is, when you're protecting from ransomware, obviously there's multiple things you need to do. One of the things, it's a bit more of an advanced uh, I would argue advanced uh, control, you don't see it all the time, is network segmentation. Network segmentation allows you to compartmentalize like, you know, like, like uh, say the HR stuff and then the um, IT infrastructure stuff like email and file servers. And then your maybe like a point of sale systems, like where you take biz, uh, credit cards, transactions and stuff. And then like maybe the system for checking books out, right? Or, or the Lexus Nexus to be able to Google uh, other books, stuff like that. The wireless network, right? IOT stuff. Like it gets more advanced, but like network segmentation is one way to control the contagion basically from spreading. It doesn't guarantee everything because if a threat actor is in your business, uh, your network long enough, they can move laterally. If you have crappy uh, configured network segmentation, then it's really like you don't have it in the first place. They said that libraries typically have cyber insurance that would make them uh, likely to uh, basically threat actors to get paid. Okay. Um, I don't know. To me, I would, I would not, it's weird. Like I would never have thought libraries would have been a target. Like it just, it doesn't like with all due respect, I like a library. I go to the library. I enjoy library. I spent a lot of time in a library uh, going through higher ed, but um, I would never think of them like manufacturing, like businesses that have straight cash, homie. Straight cash, homie. Right, like that's where you're going. Not, not a library. I mean, what, like libraries are public services, right? Like, I don't know. I wouldn't expect them to be too good, though. I mean, most public, you know, local, state, municipality type things have crappy security. So there's that. Um, I guess the one thing I would be curious about, obviously, if you work in um, local government, you should have an uptick in activity around the libraries and the library systems. Maybe send out some additional information to um, to the to, to the IT staff about an uptick in activity around library IT infrastructures getting hit. Um, obviously, you want to make sure. Again, another thing that you should make sure is that. Uh, permissions for user accounts is appropriate, right? Like if a librarian has domain admin access, which is absolutely ridiculous, 
Um, but if like if the librarian has domain admin access, that you should absolutely fix that like ASAP. Okay, like don't do that. <laughs> okay, so um, uptick in activity. Everybody's uh, vulnerable. In fact, hey, here's a final thing that just occurs to me. If um, if you work at a business and the executive team is like, like either they say something ridiculous, like we're too small to get hit, or we work in this, in like we work in whatever insert industry here. And it doesn't really happen very often, right? We work in retail. It doesn't happen. We work in food and Bev. It doesn't happen, right? Point to this story and be like, bro, you think, you think libraries aren't going to get hit? They're, there's a whole string of them up there. Uh, I don't know. It makes me think of like Harry and Marv from Home Alone. Like the wet bandits are targeting public libraries. It just seems like a odd, an odd target. Seattle Cancer Center held for ransom. That's gross. According to the record, quote, on Friday morning, the Hunters International Ransomware Group listed the Fred Hutchinson Cancer Center on its leak site, claiming to have stolen 533 gigabytes of data. Known as Fred Hutch, the center is a nonprofit with eight clinical care centers in the state. It originally issued a statement about the attack on December the 1st. Reports state that the group is also extorting individual patients, sending threatening emails and offering to remove their sensitive data for $50. All right. First of all, you suck, okay? To the to the threat actors that attacked a cancer center and are extorting the individuals for 50 bucks. I'm not saying you should charge more. I'm saying you're an hole. That's what I'm saying. Dude, they're freaking going through cancer treatments. You're gonna hit them for 50 bucks, you peckerhead. Like, go hit some like again, like with all due respect, like I don't want cybercrime to go anywhere, but go hit somewhere else. There's a million businesses out there you could hit. How about you don't hit the freaking cancer center one? You jerk off. Go hit another, like, this This is ridiculous. Um, the fact that they're hitting, they're extorting individual victims for, for $50 on top of extorting the, um, the Seattle Cancer Center itself. Here's what I think, okay? I think the threat actor group behind this is not, not sophisticated. Uh, it is possibly um, somebody who's new to the game or a threat actor group that's like got some new players involved. And the only reason I say that is because I, I've, I've seen this enough. Okay. I've seen ransomware enough. If they're going to try to get like, here, let me, I'm just, by the way, this, this cancer center is a nonprofit, bro. Like, let me see this really quickly. Uh, revenue. I'm just curious how much this. Uh, Fred Hutchinson Cancer Center made $700 million last year. Okay. For a nonprofit, that's pretty impressive, dude. Um, they made $700 million last year. Okay. So here, just hear me out. Okay. This business has got hit with ransomware and they made $700 million last year. If they, if the threat actors charge 1%, for a ransom, which by the way, is very low. Typically threat actors charge between three and 7%, okay, of annual revenue. So if they charge 1%, that's $7 million, right? 1%, $7 million. If they charge, like say they negotiate and they get um, one 
tenth of 1%, which is ridiculous. Okay. One tenth of 1%. That's $700,000. Okay. Just follow the logic here. So if they, if they, if they try to ransom and negotiate one tenth of 1%, they're going to take home 700 grand, which is, you know, a lot of money. But so like, they're going to get that huge chunk of money. And then on the side, they're trying to extort individuals for 50 bucks a rip. What do they got? Like a PayPal account you can send? Like I, I get, I get that they have the potential of $50 times 800,000 people whose information they've got. But think about the amount of work that you would have to do to extort 800,000 individual people for 50 bucks a rip. Meanwhile, you're 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 negotiating with a $700 million company. It doesn't make any sense. It's like it's like picking peanuts out of elephant poop. Like what are you doing? By the way, that's a lock stock two smoking barrels reference. Uh, for those who are Guy Ritchie fans, what are you doing? So, so anyways, because of that detail, it indicates to me that whoever this, whoever is in charge of that $50 extortion thing, that's a lot of work for not a lot of payoff uh, compared to what they're doing over here. So I suspect that there's um, somebody who's kind of new to the game being involved with that particular part. It still says what companies offer cyber insurance and what's that process look like? So uh, it's still, uh, I know you're new here. Every single episode, I do something called jaw jacking at the end where I'll go deep on whatever questions people have. If you remind me, Itzel, and you have the time, I will answer that question. I am I am in the very, very small minority of cybersecurity professionals who love talking about cybersecurity insurance. So uh, I will answer that question. But anyways, this is deplorable and you suck for attacking a freaking cancer center. Mirai-based botnet targets QNAP video recorder devices. This new Mirai-based DDoS botnet is called Infected Slurs, as one word, and actively exploits two zero-day vulnerabilities. Researchers at Akamai discovered the botnet in October, and they believe it has been active since at least 2022. According to Security Affairs, the Infected Slurs botnet is exploiting a remote code execution vulnerability tracked as CVE-2023-47565 with a CVSS score of 8.0 in QNAP Viostore network video recorder devices. Quote, the vulnerability affects Viostore NVR versions 5.0.0 and earlier, which QNAP states are as discontinued for support. However, the vendor recommends updating Viostore firmware on existing devices to the latest available version. All right. <clears throat> so here we go. couple things. One, this screenshot has nothing to do with the story. This, When this screenshot shows up occasionally, it pisses me off. Um, sorry, Kennedy. It bothers me because this right here is like um, basically... It's um, God, it's like disassembled essentially. Like you're looking in memory at memory addresses, kind of. Um, it's very you know very techy looking, and if you don't know like what you're looking at, you'd be like, oh, this must be related to the Mirai based botnet infected slurs or QNAP Visio, and it has nothing. This is literally just a screenshot that has nothing to do with anything. It just it bothers me. Okay, first of all. Because it's already hard in our industry to like parse out what everything is and have it in a nice organized order so you can understand what's going on. And when they throw stuff like this in, it's it's um 
it, it, it annoys me. All right. So Mirai based botnet uh, targeting QNAP. Okay, here we go. Ah, you got to patch it. Simple. If you're running QNAP, <laughs> you may want to look at re replacing QNAP uh, as a, as a product. Um, I, I talk, I throw shade at QNAP all the time, them and Zixel. But um, if you're running a network video recorder, right? Like maybe you, your business runs a business and they use these uh, systems for closed circuit TV for monitoring um, physical security at the plant, physical security at the, um, you know, like say it's like a energy plant or it's a remote site. Maybe you're responsible for the oil pipeline up in Alaska and you've got cameras looking at um, specific segments of the pipeline. Uh, so you can quickly look without driving four hours out to the junction. You can quickly look and say, okay, look, everything looks good there, right? So there are tons of use cases for these things. The problem is they're technology, so they are vulnerable. QNAP is notorious um, for having issues. Mirai-based botnet. Mirai is a famous, famous piece of malware. Uh, it's got a spreading mechanism, an infection mechanism, um, typically Mirai spread by infect, uh, by connecting to Telnet, um, port 23, a million years ago, Telnet was everywhere. Um, but Mirai can be weaponized and have functionality increased. Uh, and there are all sorts of variants basically of Mirai botnet. Think of, think of like the Marvel multiverse. That's what's going on. There's like multiverse versions of Mirai. You could pull Mirai if you're interested, if you're a security researcher, if you're into malware, you can go on GitHub and pull down Mirai and analyze the source code. You could look at it. You could see how it spreads. You could look at all the different versions of it. Um, TLDR here, if you're running this QNAP uh, system, you can find it online. You as, as a best practice, whether it's the QNAP network video recorder or it is anything you absolutely should be including in your um, workflows, um, scanning your external network interfaces, right? So what is it? Hold on, let me do this really quickly. Listen, if you are responsible for a business's network, you need to know what their external facing IP ranges are, right? So like, like any IP address that can be hit from the internet, I don't care if it's a website for the business, or if it's your Citrix uh, gateway for the business, a VPN terminal, Carl's WordPress site that he stood up or whatever, like doesn't matter. Everything that's internet facing, you should be aware of and scanning with some regularity to know A, what is there because <laughs> Jack, Jack Wagons will add new things, right? So just because you scanned it yesterday and there was like six, six endpoints, doesn't mean today there won't be 12 endpoints or 10 endpoints, right? Or or that or four, right? Two of them dropped off, whatever. So you need to scan your external facing network. You need to know what's there. You need to know who owns the assets on those networks. You need to be able to quickly communicate with them to tell them, ah, you gotta patch you it, it brah. Uh you gotta you gotta check for over permissions, you gotta check for default accounts. I'm telling you guys, like before you before you stand up some mature security operation program, before you do network segmentation, whatever, like for me personally, when I go into a business, right? Like let, let's say I was going to go, I got hired as the CISO of what, like whatever, like uh, Johnny Five's, um, Johnny Five, what do you want to make? 
Johnny Five's manufacturing company, and he's making tank treads, okay? Tank treads and ball bearings, Johnny Five. All right, I come in there. The very first day, I'm not like, all right, hey, like, let me, let me, show me where the bathroom is. Oh, okay, cool. Like, introduce me to, like, where we're going to eat lunch today. No, the very first thing I'm going to do before I lay out a roadmap, before I give uh, an awareness training, you know, seminar, anything, day one, we're rolling out multi-factor authentication or we're starting that process today. And we're doing, we're scanning our internet facing assets and seeing what the heck is going on there. And then I'll probably send an email out to everybody, introducing myself and dropping some piece of information, security, awareness, education on their brain. That is day one. Like you don't need to know anything else that's going on. To me, that is the highest level of risk reduction low-hanging fruit that you can get, right? Day two, you can start looking at CIS 18 or NIST CSF or well, are we doing backups or who's got permissions or who's responsible for IT here? Like you can do all that, but dude, multi-factor authentication and your internet facing assets is paramount. Now, last week in ransomware. Last week saw ongoing PR problems for Alf V Black Cat, whose own systems went down for almost five days. According to Bleeping Computer, while explaining away the outage as a hardware or hosting issue, many of the gang's affiliates did not buy this story and started to contact victims directly. Last week also saw the arrest of the banker-slash-money launderer for the Hive Gang. Kraft Heinz is investigating claims of an attack by the Snatch Group. Tipalti, the accounting software behind Roblox, Twitch, and Twitter X, is investigating ransomware claims. Navy contractor Austal USA confirms a cyber attack, and Sony is investigating claims that Ricida breached Insomniac Games. Please. All right, guys. <laughs> ransomware Roundup every Monday. Um, you know, we've always got these ransomware roundups. I, I say the same thing every, every time with this. Wherever you are, whatever industry you're in, whatever job interview you're going to, whatever business they're in, there is something here for everybody. This is a yard sale of ransomware stories. Find one that works for you, bookmark it, uh, or or you know read it and reference it and use it in a job interview. Use it in your end user awareness training education. A lot of times, it's more effective if you're talking about something that resonates with the individual, right? So they said uh, the company behind Roblox got hosed, right? Great opportunity to educate. Say you're doing a seminar or, um, oh my God, say you're going to like uh, a high school and it's career day, right? Or K through 12 and it's career day. Jesse Johnson, for example, works at a school, right? I, I think he actually pieced out. But my point is, kids know what Roblox is. If you tell them Roblox got hacked, they're going to listen up, okay? If you tell them that Seattle-based Fred Hutchinson Cancer Center got hacked, it, it, even though that's deplorable, they're not going to listen because guess what? People in general, you know, it, it, what does it mean to me, right? And they don't care. So like find something in here that resonates with whomever you're trying to talk to and educate and change behaviors and use it. Simple, right? Yeah, exactly. Valentino, everybody has suffered a ransomware attack. Guys, I, I give, I give, uh, I give talks pretty regularly, right? In the um, if you guys didn't know this, I I, I like uh, 
speaker, I guess. I do speaking gigs. I'm going, oh, I'm going to, uh, I mean, I really am going to um, Phoenix. Phoenix? It's definitely Arizona. Scottsdale. I'm going to Scottsdale in March to give a talk. But like literally, one of the things I typically will bring up in my talks is ransomware. And I always tell the group that I'm working with, because they'll want to see my slides ahead of time. I said, don't worry. Like this is just a, this one slide right here is a placeholder because I guarantee you there will be a story the day before about ransomware in specific to like you, specific to you that will happen the day before. And they're like, no. And I'm like, just watch. And every time it happens, every time. So it's like that common, okay? All right, guys, we are at... Please note that we do not have any... All right, guys, if you are here just for the news, thank you very much. Great show today. It is Monday. I will be doing the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing right through the next couple weeks. Uh, I will take Christmas Day off, so a week from today, um, I will not be streaming. I do reserve Christmas Day for my family exclusively. Uh, but if you want, later today at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, seven hours from now, I'm going to be going live with World of Haiku and playing uh, cyber video game. It's a it's a very chill stream. Uh, if you're interested, come hang out. If you're if you just want to high five and stuff, come hang out. It'll be a good time. It's my last World of Haiku for 2023. Uh, we'll be doing the Forge stuff. Robert Cooper is in Phoenix. Robert is Phoenix near uh, Scottsdale. Let me know. I mean, I'll, I'll definitely uh, connect. All right, guys. If you were here just for the news. See you later. Thank you so very much. Have a wonderful day. If you're taking vacation PTO, enjoy the crap out of it. And if you got to work today, I hope it goes fast. And I hope you had a wonderful daily cyber threat briefing. Let's go. All right, everybody. Let's pivot over to jawjacking itzel. Let's get that cyber insurance question answered. Here we go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Jawjack, and I'm your host, Jerry Guy. Just straight kicking it with a full cup of coffee up in here. All right, what's cracking, y'all? Hopefully, everybody had a great daily cyber threat brief. And I, I actually thought it. Um, I was kind of, uh, I kind of woke up late today. Was kind of moving slow. Had some cobwebs in my head. Uh, got the coffee train going, and uh, I thought that actually, I thought I actually pulled up pretty well from that. Uh, cool. People are throwing Scottsdale some love. I've never been to, um, I've never been to, uh, Arizona ever. So we'll see how it goes. All right. So it's a last question, uh, during the daily cyber threat brief about, uh, cyber insurance. Uh, actually, you know what? It's it's hilarious. Like literally guy Carpenter, this the company right here is actually a really big, huge player in the cyber in, in the insurance market. Just a complete coincidence. I actually went and spoke to them um, at their annual meeting. Again, I, I do professional speaking. And uh, I went to their annual meeting in San Diego last year at um, Torrey Pines, which was gorgeous. And I got uh, to hang out with Boston Rob, a Team SC member. Kathy Chambers is in here. When's your interview with Mike Saunders? Did I miss it? No. Uh, Mike Saunders' interview is going to be... Uh, 
stay, stay tuned. Uh, one second, Kathy. Uh, Mike Saunders interview is January 11th, 2024. Mike Saunders, Red Siege, January 11th, 2024. Uh, just so everybody knows, every Thursday at 4.30 p.m., once a week, Thursdays at 4.30 p.m. is when um, I do my long-form guest interviews. This Thursday, um, we will have Bo Bullock on from Black Hills Information Security. Bo Bullock, he's going to be talking about Graph Runner. It's super dope. Um, that's another thing I'd like to add, uh, just so everybody knows, like as a quality of life thing. It, I'm, I'm going to try to like level up the, the channel. Uh, like actually Kathy Chambers is going to be helping me with production. I'd love to have like a calendar that's publicly facing um, that you guys could just go see who's the upcoming guests and stuff. All right. So cyber insurance, Itzel. There are multiple companies that offer cyber insurance. They're just insurance companies. It's very rare to be like an exclusive cyber insurance company. It's just, it's insurance. There's some companies that sell insurance to other insurance companies. It's called, um, I, oh my God, there's a term for it. I forget in the insurance industry. Uh, but yeah, basically they charge you a premium and you know, there's, it's, it's like any other insurance. Like there's a, um, a deductible, there's a maximum payout, there's annual fees. And the final thing I'll say about cyber insurance is, there's first party insurance, third party, right? Like, so like, let's say that we use box, right? Uh, it, box was a story that the first story in the news today and box had an outage, right? Well, if we use box as part of the way we deliver service to our customers, we are impacted by that supply chain. We had the best security in the world and we are unhackable, but we depend on box and box got compromised. You know, it sounds like they self-inflicted it. But my point is that would be a third party thing. So you could actually claim um, an insurance claim on that as well. So uh, cyber insurance is fascinating. Uh, back in 2015, there was like a, a, a gold rush where you like anyone and everyone could get cyber insurance. No questions asked. In 2023, the premiums have gone up. It's all and cyber insurance companies won't even look at you if your information security baseline is terrible, right? So if you don't have multi-factor authentication, good luck because they are not interested in taking you on. You are radioactive. All right, let's keep the train going. Uh, what is the difference between regular speaking and professional speaking? Straight cash, homie. Yeah, exactly, FSAC. Uh, uh, yeah. Straight cash, homie. Straight cash, homie. Yeah. So professional speaking is getting paid. So I, I do talks all the time, right? Um, I, you know, like I'll jump on a podcast or Black Hills Information Security. I've worked with ACI uh, Learning. Um, but, you know, basically, um, sometimes I, I, I charge and sometimes I don't. Here, here's the thing. You got to remember this. Like I only have so many hours in the day, right? So if you want me to come talk to your membership or your constituency or like your business, right? Like I, I went and talked to, um, holy crap. What, what? I can't believe I can't think of this uh, company's name. Uh, Raymond James, right? So recently I went to Raymond James down in Tampa and I spoke to their workforce, right? Raymond James, huge financial services company, really, really uh, cool company. I like what they're doing, but this was like a massive a massive, you know, speaking thing, right? So to get me to get on the plane, leave my family, stop working on all the other projects I'm doing and come there, 
there, there's a fee associated with it. And, and, and that's just, you know, standard practice. Everybody knows that, right? So that's what professional speaking is. I try to do one professional speaking gig a quarter. That's, that's kind of what I do. And it helps offset costs. I get to meet cool people. Um, I don't always charge, um, right? If I was going to go, like, say I'm going to go speak to a uh, high school, right? For, you know, like career day. I'm not charging them. Like, I, I'm super pumped to share with them. All right. Uh, let's keep looking at chat. Percy, 100K before end of year. I don't know what that means. All right. Chris Young, what's the first place to start learning how to scan internet facing IP addresses of a company network? Is it Wireshark? No. Um, so Chris Young, what I would say is uh, Shodan Monitor. No, no need to reinvent the wheel. Check this out. If you go to monitor.shodan.io, there we go. Monitor.shodan.io. I just dropped it in chat. This is an entire service that uh, Shodan actually puts in place already. And I, I use it. I love it. It'll, it's already actively scanning your internet, your network facing devices. So you can get Intel on this, right? You're doing this for a business. So they should have budget. I think it's like 50 bucks a year. I mean, it's, it's ridiculously cheap. Okay. So that's fine. You could also, if you, if you want to do it, um, on, on a budget, you could download OpenVAS, OpenVAS, which is a open source vulnerability scanner. Um, and you could scan those IP addresses if you wanted to do that. That's also an option. Yep. You, uh, so BSEC says you can use Nmap. If you're familiar with Nmap, Network Mapper, that's a seminal tool in our industry. You could literally just point it at that, give it an IP range and see what comes back. Oh, L Downing talking about 100,000 subs. Let's take a look at that. Uh, I, I haven't been really following. Um, haven't been following it. Will Reed doing some professional speaking in the future. Cool. Get after it, Will Reed. Also, Will Reed, thanks so much for uh, always, always all caps yell and smash that like button. All right, guys. The channel, we're at 89,000 subs right now. We have 4,500 subs in the last 28 days. Um, so I don't think we'll make 100,000 by the end of the year. That would be bananas to, um, to get... 10,000 in 13 days. We're averaging like 4,000 in 30 days. So it would be a significant jump. If you want to do it, let's try it. It'd be awesome. It, dude, I would love it to hit 100,000 by the end of the year. That would be amazing. All right. Um, what are the questions we got? Uh, BSEC saying that um, there's scripts for Nmap uh, that can help you scan stuff. Oh, this is a cool looking graphic. Uh, Josh Mason shared this graphic. It looks like where you would get insurance. I don't understand. Um, I don't understand what I'm looking at, honestly. I mean, these are, this is the NIST CSF uh, phases up here. And this is different places or things to give consideration to. Oh, you guys can't see that. But it says blue is getting insurance. I don't understand. Identity and access management. What's that got to do with getting insurance? Unless you're saying the insurance company provides that. I don't know. All right. 
Let's keep going. Questions, questions. Mr. Green reads, signing up for your GRC course on Friday. I'm a couple of lessons away from securing the Coursera Google cert. Should I finish that? Yeah, I mean, Mr. Green reads, if you are close to finishing the Google cert, definitely take advantage of that. Um, I, I, here's my thing. I would say take advantage of that simply for the following reason. Um, I, I don't know if you're paying a monthly fee, but I know like Coursera has a monthly fee. When you buy the GRC course, you have it forever. So just from a financial perspective, it would, to me, it would make more sense to finish the Google cert, stop, you know, turn the, turn the tap off from leaking money there and then dig in the GRC one. Plus the GRC one is more of a focused course on a very specific role. Uh, whereas the Coursera one is more broad in fundamentals. So I think that would, uh, to me, that would be the right way to do it. What's the most secure DNS server between Google and Cloudflare? Um, Corey Leith, I, honestly, I, I would say Quad Nines, which is not one of the ones you you asked about, but I, I always found Quad Nine as a good one. Quad Nine is a public and free DNS server. Uh, I think I've always thought that they really took uh, security quite seriously. Google DNS. I don't think, I mean, you get some, um, you get some like malicious infrastructure blocked, but Google, Google DNS is, um, I don't know, quad nines, their, uh, IP address is nine, 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 right? That's why they're called quad nine. Uh, I would, I would recommend this one for your DNS server. Okay. That's what I would recommend. What else we got here? Tim McDonald saying, good show. Thank you. Uh, yep, we covered that. Um, yeah, so Nuclei. Uh, Josh Mason is sharing Nuclei in chat. Um, I will. Is this Nuclei right here? I, I can't tell. Is this Nuclei? Um, every single um, pen tester uses Nuclei. I 100% agree with this. You see um, Jason Haddock's talking about Nuclei uh, pretty regularly too. I, I would argue Nuclei, like I don't know how to use it and I want to. As, as soon as I finish Cyber 101, I, there's a whole bunch of stuff I want to get into uh, and learning Nuclei is, you know, coincidentally one of those things. All right, what else we got here? Uh, Lazaro, our recently employed Lazaro. Once I finish my PJPT, I'm stuck between Blue Team's lab, uh, Blue Team Labs One, and Hack the Box Defense Security Analyst. Both have a focus on differ. Which one would you recommend? Ooh, uh, that's a good one. Um, you know, I think they're both going to be good. I haven't so Lazaro. I haven't evaluated either one, but what I would say is I've heard good things about Blue Team Labs. Uh, or BTL. I've heard good things about that. Hack the Box is a major player, but they've always been focused on offensive security, and now they've recently introduced defensive. So I don't think you can really go wrong with either of them, frankly. It might it might be more about how much time do you have, how much does it cost. Sorry, I, I wish I had more answer on that one. Anyone in chat who's taken BTL1 or Hack the Box Defense Security Analyst have some thoughts for Lazaro. would be nice to get your, your feed here. Eric Taylor recommends Cloudflare for DNS. 
Tony Parrish, any suggestions for professional cybersecurity orgs such as ISSA, et cetera? Um, so, Tony, I will say um, James McQuiggan is a member of ISC Squared, um, uh, the Orlando chapter, and he he talks it up quite a bit. Um, I know ISACA, if you're into GRC space, I like the ISACA CISA and SISM certifications. And um, I, I think ISACA is pretty good. So... You know, again, I, I don't really know. Um, I, I never really took advantage of those membership opportunities myself. While Tony Parrish is in chat, though, Tony, can you confirm whether or not you received your prize from the 500th episode? I've been thinking about you, which I know sounds weird, but you had mentioned not receiving your packed book uh, a couple weeks ago, and we reached out to packed. I want to make sure that everybody that won a prize on the 500th episode did in fact receive their prize. Shout out to Josh Mason who helped um, quite a, uh, quite a bit. Josh did with delivering those prizes, but Tony Parrish, let us know in chat. If you got your prize, I want to make sure or follow up. Uh, Deshaun Gates says, where can I go to get better understanding of networks? I'm taking the Google cert right now, but I want more information on the side. All right. Um, Geez, um, where would be a good place for networking? So two things, Deshaun Gates, I would say. One is um, malwaretrafficanalysis.net. Now, this isn't going to teach you uh, like network protocol. Well, uh, this website right here is a collection of exercises with network packet captures. You can see here. And you can download these. They're static packet captures. And you can put them in Wireshark and analyze them and work through these exercises. This is a fantastic way to get hands-on keyboard practical experience with Wireshark. Be careful, you can carve out malware from the packet captures if you're if you if, if it's in there and you're not careful. Uh, but you'll learn about different protocols, you'll learn about, you know, up and down the OSI stack. This is a really good way to expose yourself to um, actual networking and network traffic. As far as like configuring a network and, and doing that type of thing, um, I don't really have a lot of experience with that. I know, um, I, I I don't I don't know. Unfortunately, I, I don't have a good answer for that. If if mods have one, I would love that. Um, I know there's a lot of like network uh, configuration um, simulations and stuff like that. Dave Robbins, Jerry, what's up with your Cyber 101 demo experiment you talked about? Okay. Um, Dave Robbins, I'm not 100% sure what you're talking about, but I, I guess let me let me say this and see if it answers your question. So Cyber 101 is a course that I have coming out in January. It's very close to done. I've been working my face off on it. Dave, if this is what you're talking about, there's, there's two things that are kind of like next steps, okay? So like right now, I'm almost done filming all of the curriculum, right? Like I, I've just got to film the cyber warfare lecture and um, the security operations uh, technology stack lectures, okay? Once those are filmed, we're good to go. A after that, I want five students, beta testers to go through... Uh, and if you wanted to be a beta tester, hold on. I only need five. I've identified three already. 
Uh, and to be a beta tester, you have to, if you want to, you'd get free access to the course, but you would have to um, complete the course in like a couple weeks, which is, it's a semester long course. So that's going to be a lot of work. You got to complete the course in a couple weeks. You have to complete a questionnaire um, for feedback so I can use it. And, and this is a big one. You have to make a hundred dollar donation to a nonprofit or you have to make a hundred dollar donation to a charity of your choice. I don't care who it is, but you have to make a donation to a charity. Uh, and the whole reason for that is so you have skin in the game and you, um, take it seriously. Okay. Um, if you're interested in that, I am just about ready for, um, pushing beta testing. Um, I'm just waiting for the labs. I've been working with a range platform and a really, really well-known cybersecurity professional in the community. And I'm just waiting to hear back from him on the labs, but they're all developed and I just need to film the labs and we're good to go. Uh, so that's pretty exciting. So Dave Robbins, if you're in chat still, does that answer your question? Let me know. Um, I am super, super excited though. Yeah. Hey, BSEC. Uh, so for everybody in chat, BSEC is a network engineers, network engineer. Okay. So definitely if you got networking questions, he's, he's a good guy, good guy to go to. All right. Jenny Housley. Um, okay. Justin Rober. Uh, thank you for letting us know, know this guys, if you want a prize, we are, we are not forgetting you. It wasn't a freaking, um, it wasn't like a, a joke or a scam. Like we, we had the prizes and we delivered the prizes and we're working with third party supply chain to get prizes out to all the recipients. So just know that. Okay. Um, Okay. Nerman, uh, Nerman Zlotnovich with the super chat. Did we just become best friends? Yep. Uh, hello, Dr. Ozier. What are your thoughts about Tidos framework? I don't know about Tidos framework, but let's do this in real time. Here we go. Let's see. The offensive web application penetra penetration testing framework. Ooh, okay. I've never heard of this, but let's 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 dig into it. The new QD5 interface is complete. Uh, complete versatile framework to cover everything from recon to vulnerability. Five main modules. This is awesome. This is cool. Okay. Here, let's do this in real time. Let, let, oh. Let's do this in real time. I'm going to install this in real time here and just. Uh, all right. So I've already run into some issues uh, installing. So I'll, I'll look into it. I haven't heard of Tidos framework, but this looks pretty cool. Um. Cool. All right. There it is. We just built it. 
There we go. Looks clean. I like it. I like it. Can I? I guess I'm not going to play with it right on uh, stream here, but it does look cool. Um, if I had an IP address, I would. All right, I'll look at I'll look into this later. But thanks, thanks for uh, thanks for sharing that. Oh, here we go. Is there is there a known website I can attack? I mean, not attack, but like I'm trying to think of. Um, I would do simply cyber, but I hosted on Wix, and they don't like that because it's like I'm attacking Wix. Um, we'll, we'll look at this later. Okay. I'll play with that later. All right. But yeah, hey, uh, shout out to um, shout out to Nerman uh, on this Tidos framework. It looks cool. Definitely worth investigating. Thank you. Lazaro talking up. Let's defend. Loves it. Very cool. Hey, just so everybody knows, um, Chris Young and uh, uh, others are doing... The GRC Analyst Masterclass Study Hall, GRC Study Hall. Uh, Chris Young, if you can drop in chat when you are meeting and the frequency with which you're meeting. If you're a member of the GRC Analyst Masterclass and you would like to connect with other students and you know help each other and talk and everything like that, um, inside of Discord, inside of Discord, um, there's a GRC Study Hall. All right. All right. Cool, 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 cool. All right. Chris Whitlock. Yes, Chris Whitlock is there too. Um, I will not be attacking Google. <laughs> All right. Hey, so Chris Young says, uh, this is a question for BSEC. Any advice for retaining info on Network Plus, sir? Lots of new information. Very dizzying. I mean, this is a question for BSEC, but if it were me, I mean, just time in the saddle, uh, you know, just exposure, 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 keep doing it. All right. Let me have a sip of coffee. Ah. Uh. All right. Feeling lightheaded right now, y'all. All right. Got a meeting. Got a meeting with the very talented Kimberly McKnight. Kimberly can fix it uh, at 9.30. So <clears throat> we're going to get into that. Uh, shout out to Kathy Chambers. Good to see her in chat as always. Uh... <laughs> cool, cool, cool. All right, guys. Uh, Musa Drama, looking forward to the release of 101. So am I. <clears throat> I'm so excited. Um, it's been a long time coming, guys. The 101, the reason I'm waiting for the beta testers, the students, is because... Um, I want the labs in, I want the labs in place, right? That's the problem. I don't want the students to start without the labs in place. Cause to me, the, it's part of the experience is doing the labs. 
Hey, Robert Cooper, you don't have to uh, sell me on Scottsdale's beautiful weather. I live in the low country, my man. I literally, if you guys don't know my origin story, I, I grew up in the, the cold Northeast, right? Which means, I, which means I know how to drive really well, and I get wicked angry, wicked quick. Um, and I say wicked. Um, you know, Boston, tell your mother, tell your mother I said hi. How's your mom and dad? You know, get some scratchies in your stocking. Grab some dunks, a crawla. <laughs> Work in the big dig. Sully, Sully Murph up in Somerville. All right. Uh, Deshaun Gates. Discord is... Discord... Yeah, I'm from Massachusetts. Well, yeah. I mean, I grew up in Massachusetts. Um, Discord is where you want to be. All right. I'm representing Black Hills Information Security today on the shirt. Love it, love it, love it. Dread hoses from one socket. What's up, Rhode Island? My boy, he is wicked smart. Oh, Chris Whitlock. No, I mean, hey, no disrespect to South Dakota, but that's not my jam. I got educated in South Dakota, but I do not want to live in South Dakota. Anthony Clay, it's hashtag simply cyber community challenge. Rhonda Rummerfield, I agree. Low country drivers are uh, not the best. You know, you want to know another thing that's kind of bananas about the state of South Carolina? Where, where I grew up in Massachusetts, they have um, vehicle inspections. Like you literally have to have a tag on your car that says it's legal to drive, right? In South Carolina, like if it if it moves, it's legal, right? So you see all of these like terrible vehicles driving around. Uh, you see cars broken down on the side of the road all over the place. It's kind of it's kind of bananas, uh, honestly. Um, oh yeah, oh yeah. This this is absolutely so. If you guys don't know, I'll drop this link in chat. Uh, this is my favorite. It's it's, it's actually seasonal too. Hey, can you hear this? Can you hear the audio from the from the uh, you, from the YouTube video? Let me know in chat if you can. I'll play it. But otherwise, uh, I will not. This this YouTube video is freaking hilarious. And Casey Affleck. Him and his brother Ben Affleck. I think they're from um, Roxbury, which is which is a you know suburb of Boston. Um, so let me know. Oh, you can't hear the audio. Okay, no problem then. Anyways, go check this out. This is wicked funny. Um, it's so funny. Oh my god, 